This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyheart. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer. Richard is away this week, but join with me today is the always amazing Amy Nelson. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Just a little comment. It's the end of the year, and my students have just made friends with everyone, and they talk, talk, talk. So I'm having a bit of difficulty because of these friendships that are happening in my classes. Hmm. Hmm. Is that maybe a hint to what we're talking about today? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, before we get to our topic for today, we do have some feedback from the Babel Conference. And this is for Earl Grey 267, where we talked about death in TNG. So, Amy, do you want to read the first one? Yes, this is from our listener, Matthew Benware, and he writes, Just finished listening. I really thought about this episode afterwards. It's not something you think about often, but it was really thought-provoking. Why do we get so invested in fictional characters from our favorite show? For me, it comes down to really being invested in these people and aliens and putting myself into that universe. How would I feel? How would my fellow crew feel? I think you knocked it out of the park this time with real conversation and sharing your personal stories. The loss of loved ones is devastating. I still cry thinking about them and how how I will not get to be with them any longer. Well done. Thank you, Matthew, so much. And uh, I just was so happy to hear and see all the feedback that we got. And, you know, it is something that causes you to think and and self-evaluate, like, what, what do you believe and how do you, you know, cope with death in your life? So thank you, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, I think we got a lot of great feedback and it is a topic that maybe at the time we thought, oh, well, maybe this is a little depressing thing to talk about, but I think people got some great things out of it. Yeah. And and also, I know you mentioned about getting invested in fictional characters. And I think that happens because, you know, it, it helps to illuminate something about our own lives and our own struggles. And it's important. So <laughs> thank you for your comment, Matthew. Well, Kimberly Lawler says, for you are dust and unto dust you shall return. I'm sure you didn't plan it, but even though none of you are religious and none of the humans on TNG are religious, today is Ash Wednesday, and it turned out to be a very thought-provoking episode for this Catholic to start off Lent with. Thanks for sharing your personal experiences and reflections. Two moments and episodes I don't think were mentioned here were, one, the death of Jack Crusher, which was something that came up in the bonding and attached in particular. 
It was clearly something that had a long-term impact on Picard, Beverly, and Wesley. Two, in the next phase, Geordi, Rowe, Data, and Worf all spend time thinking about death and their beliefs in what happens after death. I've always loved the jazzy, festive wake that Data puts on to celebrate Geordi and Rowe's lives at the end. Thank you, Kimberly, for that comment. Uh, lots of great stuff there. Glad it connected with you and that you enjoyed us sharing our own experiences. And those are some some great moments that you mentioned, talking about Jack Crusher, which is, of course, important. Uh, and in the next phase, when so many different characters are kind of contemplating death, and there's that kind of festive wake at the end, which I always like. I think it's nice to celebrate someone's life. But I yeah, know. what do you think? Kimberly, I really am very sad that we didn't even talk about Jack Crusher, because that death definitely impacts, you know, those three major characters. And in the next phase, they are talking about what happens, you know, is their life after death. Oh my gosh, two great examples. And again, Justin, there have been so many times where we've released something and it happens to be coincidental. <laughs> so I just, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's on an anniversary or a special day and we never, well, not never plan it that way because we have had a few things in the past for like Valentine's Day and Mother's Day and Father's Day. But for the most part, yeah, we don't coordinate these things. <laughs> Well, we have Carl Wonders, who says, great show. In terms of which TNG death would I want to erase, I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to resist the urge to go Kalar as well and nominate another that exists solely to drive the emotional journey of another character, Robert and Renee in Generations. What a slap in the face to Picard and to one of my favorite episodes of TNG Family. And they just use photos of two random people in the album, too. Ugh. P.S. I'm glad I'm not the only one who occasionally mixes up Jeremy Astor and Timothy. Well, thank you, Carl. <laughs> yeah, I do get them mixed up. I'm really trying hard to keep them separate, um, but they are very similar stories. And I like your pick of Robert and Renee. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Amy, but I feel... I don't know. It it does lead to a great emotional moment for Picard, but it's kind of a shame that off screen they just die yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's it because you get to know them so well in family. And in such a senseless death, like a fire, come on. Right. I know there's been some criticism like a fire in a house in the 24th century yeah. that can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, maybe the price of not wanting to live with more technology. Yeah, but maybe. So Ben Greet says, this was a really cool episode, guys. I love hearing all your different experiences and perspectives on death and how this relates to TNG. I think another interesting episode that deals with death is the Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Essentially, Picard being assimilated is a kind of death, and we have to watch how the Enterprise, and particularly Riker, have to deal with that death and the hole it leaves in the command structure. That's a great example. Yeah, I mean, it is like Picard is dead even though he's a Borg and he comes back later and all of that. And it makes me also think of toward the end of I think part one where you know Worf is on the bridge and he's just like visibly shaken like he is a Borg like he's not one of us anymore. He's kind of dead to us. So mm -hmm. that's that's actually a really great pick that we hadn't thought of. <laughs> yeah, that's another great pick. So Justin, I think we have some emails. We do, yeah. I mean, we not only got lots of great Babel Conference feedback, we got two emails about this topic. So the first is from Eric Bogan, who lives in Cleveland, Ohio. And he says, I really enjoyed your show number 267 on death and TNG. 
I think one of the best episodes not covered, which addresses the topic of how we think about death, is Where Silence Has Lease, where Nagilam wants to experiment with the Enterprise crew to learn about death. It is interesting because it shows how an immortal being who does not know anything about death might be super curious about it. We also see this in the DS9 pilot Emissary, when Cisco teaches the prophets about death and linear existence. Where Silence Has Lease also shows our Enterprise crew having to deal with their own mortality while the ship's self-destruct is armed. I think the most interesting stories about death are those where characters are faced with their own impending demise and how they think and feel about it. Thank you, Eric. That was great. And another great example we didn't talk about where Silence Has Lease, which, yeah, is about this being that has a lot of power and wants to kind of see what death is, kills some people on the crew. And then when the self-destruct is armed, they have to kind of think about it. And we've talked about it before, this great conversation between Picard and, well, what turns out not to be data <laughs> about death. So um, yeah, that's that's a great pick. And we're really glad that you enjoyed the episode. Yeah. I know. I cannot believe we missed that episode too. We just, we have the best listeners. <laughs> we do. Well, I mean, 176 episodes, four movies. We can't cover everything on a topic. So it happens. But uh, I appreciate that because they pick up on all of these great examples. So we can just talk about it again. Exactly. Yeah. So the second email that we got was from uh, Jason Loss from Arlington, Virginia. And Jason says, in your discussion about death on TNG, I'm surprised you didn't touch that much on Jack Crusher. So someone else <laughs> telling us we didn't talk about Jack Crusher much. To me, there are two great scenes discussing his death. The first was in The Bonding, when Picard, Troy, and Wesley are trying to help Jeremy cope with losing his mother. Wesley is brought in to share the emotions he felt when Picard came home, but his dad didn't. As he does so, he relives the anger he felt towards the captain when it happened. Even more important, neither Picard nor Troy invalidates those feelings, and Picard even encourages Wesley to express them. It's also an incredibly powerful acting job by all involved in that scene. The other great moment is in Family, when Beverly discovers the hologram that Jack recorded when Wesley was just a baby. That simple recording sends Wesley on an emotional roller coaster, and when he reaches out for his dad, he once again fades away. I can only imagine what it has to be like in the 24th century when it's possible for a lost loved one to be so tangibly close and yet so far away. Say what you will about Wesley, Richard, in parentheses. <laughs> but in my opinion, the two scenes where we see him confronting that hole in his heart are among the most moving and most human scenes in all of Trek. Yeah, Jason, thank you so much for your email and your thoughts, you know, talking about those scenes in the bonding where... Uh, you know, Wesley talks about what it was like to lose his father, Jack Crusher, and then seeing the hologram or the holographic recording that Jack had done that you see in family. Those those are definitely some powerful moments having to kind of deal with loss many years later. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely enriches Wesley's character. And you're right. It makes him the most human because he's always, you know, the smart kid saving the ship, you know, and how realistic is that? But here we have him dealing, you know, with this loss of his father being raised by his mother and sort of a surrogate father and Picard sort of, you know what I mean? So yeah, great. And I love when he sees, you know, Jack Crusher in family. That's very, it's heart-wrenching to me every time I watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for today's episode, the topic that we'll be talking about is friendships in the next generation. Now, this was actually inspired by a recent patrons roundtable where they talked about friendship in Star Trek. So overall in all the series, we'll be focusing on the next generation and kind of our top three picks for friendships, as well as honorable mentions. So, Amy, you want to give your first pick? 
Okay. So when I thought about this, um, I had one that just totally came out and because it's my favorite friendship, but I wanted to sort of dig deep and like find maybe a friendship that we wouldn't discuss normally. And I also for sure want to hit Troy. So I'm going to talk about Troy first, and that's with Beverly and Deanna, because to me, I just want to make sure that we talk about Troy because everyone knows I love Troy, but I love their relationship. So I know a lot of people don't enjoy Shades of Grey, but seeing that friendship just start off so quick in the series um, and Deanna is right by Will's side and Beverly isn't like, get out of here. Like she's comforting Deanna through this and it just starts them off on a great relationship. I love that they are workout buddies because it's always good to be healthy and, you know, you see them working out and, you know, with Worf and them talking and their spa buddies. We saw them at the spa together in the host. Um, they definitely share advice um, on romantic relationships that they each are going through. And I really like um, that they share like their doubts, like their confidants one with another. Like when in a matter of time, like Deanna goes to Beverly and is like, this Rasmussen character, you know, I've got some issues with. And so it's like, they work so well together. They are fun hanging outside of work, you know, working out together and they're talking about their relationships. Like it's just to me makes a very well-rounded relationship. I know some people, they criticize their relationship a little bit in the end because they do end up talking a lot about the guys that they're dating. But to me, that's like I get together with my girlfriends and talk about guys that I'm dating or my relationship. Like to me, it's just natural. And the fact that we see them working so well together normally that we get these little snippets, you know, of them off duty. Like it just to me makes a great friendship. Yeah. I mean, I agree because guess what? It was one of my picks. <laughs> it was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, and part of it was because, so I was kind of going through this list and I was like, there has to be, you know, a friendship between two women in the next generation that we can pick as part of this discussion. Right. Um, and that was the one that I thought of. And, and yeah, I, and sometimes people make fun of, you know, them exercising in their outfits <laughs> that maybe are a little dated now, but uh, I, I one of the things I like, and I saw some. There was actually an article I think recently on StarTrek.com about relationships or friendships between women in, in Star Trek. And one of them they talked about was, you know, Deanna and Beverly. Basically, like they can talk about personal things. It's not all about you know them being on duty or whatever. Off duty, they can talk about personal things. They can trust each other, and there's not really drama there, right? Like the writers aren't trying to manufacture this like conflict between them. They're just they really respect each other and they get along well. And yeah, I, and I thought of you know some of those episodes like the host and and the price where they're just off duty talking to each other about things that are going on. It's kind of interesting that in one of them, in The Price, Deanna's talking about her relationship and with, uh, I think it was... Rawl. With Rawl, yeah. 
and how it kind of, she was a bit uncertain how it was going. And then in the host, you know, <laughs> Beverly is talking about her relationship with Odan. So kind of goes back and forth. But anyway, I, I like that one as well. So I will, I approve what you had to say on that. That was one of my picks, which I'll have to shuffle. See, I'm glad I said it first because <laughs> I didn't want it to get taken. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because I'm trying to decide whether my next one should be one that is on probably nearly every listener's mind or if I should wait and see if you pick it. What do you think I should do? Well, because <laughs> we do have honorable mentions. So you you do, because my next one's going to be uh, probably not one that you've got. Okay. So I won't leave listeners in suspense. I'll go with the one I think that most people think of when they think of friendship in the next generation, and that's Data and Jordy. Yes. And I just I just love it because over the course of this series, you get to see them like in all of these different situations. I mean, one of the first things, of course, that pops to mind when I think of their friendship is, you know, them in the holodeck with the Sherlock Holmes program. And, you know, they're off duty and they're just going to have a good time. I mean, of course, it's kind of a hallmark of their relationship that sometimes Jordy's like, data. <laughs> don't take it too seriously. You don't have to do it that way. You know, like where he solves the mystery, like instantaneously. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's have a mystery that's a little more fun that you might not anticipate. But they're, they're having some fun on the holodeck. But there are all of these times when you see them in various episodes that they're in engineering, and they're just kind of talking about what's going on, or, you know, Jordy's working on, on data, and they're, and they're talking about, you know, how they feel about a situation or about about their lives. And I mean, it was hard for me to pick out specific examples because you see them so many different times. But another thing that I thought of as well was uh, Force of Nature, where Jordy has to, has to uh, kind of take care of, or, or no, I think Jordy comes in uh, when Data's with Spot and you know he he just can't understand how data can you know tolerate this cat and how terrible it is and there's several scenes in there about that but they just have kind of this back and forth friendly thing and sometimes maybe Jordy's a little frustrated but you can tell that they really kind of care about and and respect each other and they like spending time with each other so i mean that's kind of the the one for this topic that came to mind first how would you think yes you it's like you were reading off my list because I have <laughs> Jordy and Data and then my first bullet point underneath them was Holmes and Watson, you know, because that's... Yeah, that was my first yeah. bullet point, so you must have been reading my notes. <laughs> and I have that they work well together, like they're seamless, you know, they just bounce ideas off of each other and they're both very intelligent. And so, you know, them working together is just so wonderful. And then my third bullet point was, you know, Data really trusts Jordy whenever he needs to run any type of diagnostic. It's, you know, Jordy running it. And I would say Crusher would be second. But, you know, Jordy's the go-to. Of course, engineering and knowledge there. But, you know, I feel that Data goes to Jordy because he trusts him. And then I have, yes, my next bullet was about Spot and, you know, when Data is exploring all of his many hobbies, like the painting, and he's always getting Jordy's opinion and, you know, his violin and exploring his humanity, they really talk a lot about it. And I just wanted to add, whenever you see like those polls and it's like, who's the best friendship, 
you know, and you always see uh, Bashir and O'Brien from Deep Space Nine. Uh-huh. And yes, I'm watching Deep Space Nine, and I think they do have a great relationship. But to me, it's just always Jordy and Data. They are, when I think of friendship, it's Jordy and Data. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that's great about Jordy and Data is that, you know, they're they're very different. You know, one's an android, one's a human, but they're also... Like Jordy with his visor is different than other humans that you see. So they're they're they both kind of come from this a bit of an outsider perspective. And I think that's part of where some of the bond comes from. And like when you talk about, you know, data trusting Jordy to kind of work on him, I mean, that's some important delicate work. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he kind of trusts him with his life in a way. And it's almost like because of the things that Jordy can do to, you know, fix what's going on or do diagnostics. It's it's almost like Jordy is his friend and doctor mm. in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's kind of ministering to things that go on with him or go wrong. So, yeah, definitely. So how about your second pick? Okay, so my second pick, I'm going to go obscure and I want to see what you think. Hopefully it's not on your list because I know you, Justin, you like choosing obscure we'll things see, too. Yeah. <laughs> so the one I chose again with Jordy, oh, and it was interesting. Like I kept thinking of Jordy. I think he's like the friendliest, I think I would say. I don't know. But it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. In Identity Crisis with Lieutenant Susanna Lighton. She just made a very strong impression on me, and she comes on, and they knew each other previously on the USS Victory. That's where they'd worked together. And, you know, you can just tell that they had a great friendship. Like, Susanna even calls him her little brother, you know, and they, you know, gave dating advice back and forth back then. But what I love is that Jordy, like he goes all out to figure out what's happening to Susanna and this mystery that's happening. And even so, he denies and works past and goes through his physical boundaries. Like he's getting sick and he's starting to feel these symptoms. He's ignoring his own warning, physical warning signs to go through and to help Susanna and figure out this mystery. Like, That's some serious action in, you know, really making this friendship work. And I just was so impressed that he was so willing to do that and sacrifice himself for his friend, Susanna. Mm. Well, that was not on my list. Oh, good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You could probably have a whole separate category of one episode friendships where we only see it in one episode. but. But yeah, I think you're right. If you think about the episode that he's doing a lot of this because he wants to save his friend, yeah. and he does in the end, yeah. at the cost of you know almost losing himself. So yeah, that's a really that's a really great one. Yeah, I, I mean, I when I think about it, I kind of wish maybe we'd seen her a little bit before or after, but but I think it works. Yeah, because they had just great chemistry on screen together. I don't know, she really stands out to me. I. I I like that episode, but in part because of her and their interactions that they have. And it's nice to see sort of this, you know, we don't, well, let's see, I guess we do know what previous ships all of our main crew has served on. Uh, well, a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, Picard was on the Stargazer and Riker was, and Jordy were on, what was the previous one they were on? The Hood, right? The Hood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I think in a way you don't even know where Deanna was before, do you? 
Well, she was on Beta Z before coming to the Enterprise. She was just on Beta yeah. Z. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Maybe we know the ship Worf was on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I so know. I like getting his backstory as well, you know, and that, yeah, he had friends on other ships and he's just a friendly guy. Well, that's a great pick. Yeah. All right. So what's your second pick? Well, my second pick is one that maybe is on, was on a lot of listeners' minds as well. Okay. Um, and that's Picard and Guinan. Oh, yep. That's on so, my list. That's on your list as well. Oh, boy. <laughs> this may be a very short episode. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, of course, there's there's one point at, at which, you know, it, Picard says that it goes, you know, beyond friendship and beyond family. But I think of it primarily in terms of, of a friendship because, like, it, it, it's not quite like you know, Jordy and Data, where you'll see them like, I was thinking about that, where you'd see them like in an adventure on the holodeck, but there is, she comes on for a Dixon Hill adventure. Yep, she so does. scratch that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like mainly the way that I think about their friendship is Guinan is the person that will tell Picard something when no one else will, right? Or will bring in an insight that wouldn't have been there if she wasn't there. I mean, I think of like Measure of a Man, where there's this scene that they're talking and, you know, Guinan kind of talks with him about, you know, what the future might be of androids if they're all considered property. And like this light bulb goes on for Picard, like, you mean slavery, like a whole race of disposable people, you know? Mm-hmm. And there are other times, I know it's a little bit different, but in yesterday's Enterprise in the alternate, you know, universe, where she is the one that because of their connection is going to convince Picard that the Enterprise C has to go back. So, I think of those kinds of moments and also like in, in Iborg when they're kind of fencing and, and she's making this point. I think of their friendship in terms of Picard's level of trust with her. I mean, it seems like he trusts her and her opinion more than anyone else. I mean, of course, we find out during the course of the series that, you know, they've known each other for a while, depending on whose perspective, you know, it's either been hundreds of years or some decades, but I don't know. I've I've always felt like there's something special about their their friendship and part of that is the mystery of it. You don't know what came before or a lot of how it how it formed, but yeah, she is the person that's there to kind of keep him honest or give him information that might not be there otherwise. But I mean, usually when I think about friendships, I'm trying to think about it going both ways and I'm thinking of like what Picard does for Guinan. I mean, there is what he does in Times Arrow really to kind of be there with her, but yeah, I mean, what do you think overall? Yeah, uh, again, this was on my list. Um, I, it's it's not that constant friendship like Jordy and Data, right? It's a friendship like, and, and maybe you have a friend, it's like, you're not really in touch, but then when you see each other, it's like, oh my gosh, no, no yeah. time has passed. And it's just, you're right there in the friendship and then you can go years without saying hello and then still come together and just have this bond and know that they're always there for you. And, you know, yesterday's enterprise, definitely that is one that sticks out to me where she, you know, just goes straight to Picard. She knows that something is wrong and tells him and he trusts her enough, like implicitly, just, okay, there's something wrong because Guinan says so. Another evidence of that, um, like in generations and when Picard is in the nexus, like he's seen this, you know, made up family, 
but it's Guinan, the one that he sees from his real life, you know, that's this echo of Guinan. And I think, you know, Picard could have conjured up or had anyone, you know, we don't really even know, but it was Guinan that he saw in the Nexus to sort of snap him out of it. And I just think, man, it is a great relationship. And you can see that that trust is just so deep. It's, yeah, a great relationship. And so a different friendship compared to, you know, like what we were talking about with Jordy, Jordy and Data. I mean, of course, the difference with Jordy and Data is that they're regular characters and they're in almost every episode. <laughs> so there's more of that potential for interaction and Guinan isn't in it as many. And I know it wouldn't have been as possible at the time, but I can dream about the next generation starting with Guinan being like a regular there every week. I mean, hey, you know, Quark's a bartender and he's a regular on DS9. Why not Guinan? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go back in time and change that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, like, I think the first two that came to mind were Data and Jordy and Picard and Guinan when mm-hmm. I was making this list. So, well, now that I've taken another one of yours, what do you have left? for? What do you have for your third pick? Okay. So for my third pick... I guess this will be my final since oh. <laughs> the other two were taken. Um, I went with a typical Riker and Worf. Like, I love this male friendship. I think it's so funny when they're playing poker and, like, Riker jokingly calls Worf the Iceman. And, you know, they're always going back and forth and Klingons don't bluff. And, you know, just sort of the banter that they have. Um, I thought it was interesting. I know that Riker justified why he chose Worf to be his first officer in peak performance because this is a battle simulation. But I really think there was something there with that friendship. I really like how Worf just totally agrees to help Riker plan an escape for Soren in the Outcast. Like Worf is like, this is wrong. We're going against Starfleet and but I'm going to help you because you're my friend, you know, and Riker goes to him and asks him. So that friendship is there. And then for me, the most powerful moment is when Worf asks Riker to assist him with the Hegbet, the Klingon rituals, the Klingon suicide ritual in ethics. To me, that's just like, you know, so powerful and and it shows their friendship so deeply that Worf would go to him for this life-ending Klingon ritual. I, I love the Riker and Worf story. It's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that one, but yeah, I think there's a good case to be made that they're good friends and they kind of trust and respect each other. But it's interesting because when I think about Worf, I think about him and Picard because Picard kind of stands with him when with this, you know, thing with the discommendation and and Worf really, you know, trusts him a lot that you see throughout the series. So, yeah, I was that that is true, but I still feel like it's a commander, commanding officer and a subordinate officer just to me. And I know we trust. I, there's definitely trust, but I think the more jovial side is with Riker, and Worf is more free to uh, be himself, I guess, <laughs> whatever okay. that looks like around Riker. So I guess I could see that. But yeah, that's a good pick. I did not have that on my list. <laughs> oh, good. So what is your third pick? 
Well, since you took Deanna and Beverly, I will have to take from my longer list here and decide what I want to do. Hmm. Hmm. What should I do? You know what? I'm going to pick Picard and Captain Dathan from Darmok. Oh. What do you think about that? Yeah. Wow. I, I went through <laughs> the list and I was like, oh, but okay. I want to hear your case because I know why I didn't pick it. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, at the be- I mean, Darmok's one of my favorite episodes, but like, it's not just because it's one of my favorite episodes. But I mean, at the beginning, you know, there is this. It's not even like a confrontation at the beginning. There's just these puzzled looks, like, what the heck are these people saying? I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, Picard's transported to the the planet, and he's wondering like, what is going on? But I mean, over the course of the episode, they come to this understanding Picard understands the language. I mean, I think it's actually a really moving uh, scene when when you see Picard telling the story of Gilgamesh, where he is able to kind of communicate that and 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 comfort him. I think that's after Dathan was was injured. But I think like at the heart of it, friendship is about, you know, trust. And sometimes about common interests, and but I think it, at its base, it's about trust. Like I trust that I can spend time with you, and you know it's going to be a good experience, or you're not going to take advantage of me. A good friendship, I'd say. And and I feel like over the course of the episode, they they build that up uh, to the point where I, I mean, often we see that as just about you know coming to an understanding between cultures but i think it is about the personal interaction and the friendship that grows that helps to kind of break through the misunderstandings what do you think yeah i am really liking picard and datham definitely i didn't pick it because i felt it was a contrived situation and so that i was like oh, i don't know if that's really good But as you were talking and I can, you know, visually see Picard, you know, telling and trying so hard to communicate. And as they tell the story, they have this bond, you know, and and Picard at the end, he's he's broken up that he's lost Captain Datham like they did develop a friendship. You know, of course, again, it was a little contrived, in my opinion, but yeah, a great pick. I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, the, I mean, the circumstances were contrived in the sense that they're kind of forced into this situation. But I think that there can be, like, if you look at it in a broader sense, like bigger circumstances that bring people together, there's all kinds of things that have to happen in order for people to, you know, live near each other, go to school with each other, be at the same job, you know, be in the military together, whatever, where those friendships can come up because people are spending time with each other and saying, oh, you know, I like spending time with you. So there's a certain amount of contriving to those circumstances, too, because there are things much bigger than those two people that helps to bring them in proximity, you know, so... But it's kind of highly contrived in this episode because it's specifically like, we're going to go down there and come to an understanding. But I think despite that, it ends up becoming very genuine on both sides. So You know, and to your point, that is very true. Um, and especially when you are going through the same trial with someone, like it creates this bond. Um, I might have mentioned it before, but the school that I was at previously... Uh, I was a a Title I at-risk school. 
uh, very difficult kids, low attendance, low graduation rate. And so all of us teachers, we were all there in the thick of it, trying our best to get these kids and to love these kids in the terrible situations that they were in. And I have been gone from that school for seven years now, eight, oh my gosh, eight years now. And I am still very close friends with those teachers from that school. And yeah, we are all now at different schools. We got dispersed and everything. It's a long story. But yeah, that friendship that we developed because we were in this trial together, it it really does bond you and it, it creates very strong friendships. And those are people you might not have known if you hadn't been at that specific school, absolutely, right? absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's really interesting. Like there could be different choices we make in life or different circumstances that happen that wouldn't have brought people together, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I think maybe Darmok illustrates that. Like under even the most kind of manufactured of circumstances, there can be real friendship that comes up. Great pick, Justin. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was, you know, making my picks and then I was like, well, why not this one? It was actually one of the last ones that came on my list. Oh, wow. But yeah. All right. Excellent. So are you, you're out of honorable mentions? I am because you just took them all. But uh, do you have some? Okay. I do. Okay, yeah. good. Let's talk. Okay. So first one is Jordi and Hugh from Iborg. I really... You're giving a questioning look like, is that a friendship? But uh, <laughs> but let me explain. So, I mean, in the course of this episode, at first, you know, he's just some Borg, right? And they have to do what they can to develop this invasive program to try to, you know, destroy the Borg. But then kind of Jordy gets to know him better. He has a name. I mean, I think that 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 it does qualify as as a friendship. I mean, it's on my honorable mentions because it wasn't one of the first ones that I thought of. but. I do think that they they have something there that that comes from like a certain trust that goes both ways. Oh, I'm so upset. I didn't think of this. Justin, I love <laughs> this pick. Really, really. Okay. And you're exactly right. And we get his name, isn't it because of Jordy? I think so. It is. Because they, there's like a confusion yeah, with like, like you and he's Hugh. like Hugh, Hugh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They yeah. do have a great friendship, and we get to see it again in Descent. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, he talks about, and Hugh opens up and is like, this is what happened when I went back, and and all the turmoil that happened with the Borg, and and then ends up helping them, you know, get to where they need to go and see lore and blah, blah, blah. But that is a great pick because there is a trust there and they Jordy definitely cares for Hugh. Yeah. yeah. See, Jordy is so friendly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because my other honorable mention has to do with Jordy as well. How See? About that? <laughs> okay. Jordy is the friendliest. He gets the friendly award. So can you guess who is the other part of this friendship? Um no. Oh wait. Are you gonna say Jordy and Roe? Yes. Ah, I guessed it. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so predictable. I know listeners, I've talked about this before, and I like to mention Roe whenever I can. Yes. But, but like, I mean, it's something that happens over the course of the episode, the next phase, when Roe and Jordy are thrown into the situation, they're out of phase with the ship, and, you know, they're kind of going through this. Roe's like, we should accept that we're dead. Jordy's like, no, there's something else that's going on here. But I've always loved 
how, you know, at, at the end of it, they go through this experience, they figure out how to get the attention and for them to get back into phase. And then there's a scene at the end where they're just kind of like laughing and having a good time. I mean, I think over the course of that, I mean, and it's, I've, of course, I've talked about this before as well, but I think it's fantastic that when Roe first comes on earlier in the season and Ensign Roe, I mean, Jordy doesn't even think she should be in a Starfleet uniform, mm-hmm. <laughs> like let alone on the ship. But now they've had this experience and he can respect and trust her and it kind of goes both ways. I'm sad they didn't really follow up on it because Rose's subsequent appearances, you don't really see the two characters together at all. But I, I really like what, what develops there. And I think it's a good example that sometimes, you know, people can get off on the wrong foot and make a bad impression for one reason or another, but can come to be friends at a later time. I mean, it, it happens, and this is a good illustration of that. And Jordy is open enough to do that, so I love that. Yes, that is a great pick. I did think about the next phase, um, and you're right. In those circumstances, it's sort of an unlikely pairing because, you know, Jordy was so distant and had his opinions, but, you know, when you work together and you struggle together, again, going through a common struggle, and I just love, your, you know, when they're holding on to each other and getting that beam, yeah. and, you know, it just, <laughs> you can see the spark in their eyes, and they're like, it's going to work, and they just are trusting in, you know, that they're doing this together, and yeah, just that very last scene where they exchange and just having fun, as a great, unlikely friendship. That is a great pick. I mean, it proves also that, you know, through great adversity can come great friendship, yeah. I think, you know, because you're going through those same circumstances. So we've established at this point, Jordi is Mr. Friendly then. Yes. At least he's, for friendships. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Friendly. Nice. nice. So I have a question for you since we have a little bit of time. Okay. So all of these have been... I think, an example of good friendships. Do you think that there's been any toxic friendships that we see on TNG? Mm. I know, I'm sort of throwing I mean, that's this a good out question. there. I didn't prepare for that question, I Amy. Know, <laughs> I know, I just thought of it as we were talking, because I'm like, man, all of these, you know, an unlikely friendship or gaining a friend because you're going through a common trial or, you know, having friends because you work together... And I was just thinking, huh, these are all really good examples. I don't know. Do you have one in mind? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got one. Okay. Q and Picard. You think that's a friendship? Toxic. Oh, okay. How would you define a toxic friendship? Yeah, like, I'm what not going to say like <laughs> majorly toxic, but I think it's a friendship. Uh, I would classify it as a friendship, albeit very forced, because Q is just bugging him and bugging Picard constantly. Picard sort of puts up with him, and I don't think you should be in a friendship when you're just putting up with someone because they're forcing themselves on you. So do you think the the whole time, throughout all of his appearances, he is just, like, he's all-powerful, but all that he really wants in the world is to be Picard's friend? Is that like his whole mission? He does, (laughs) you know, and I I think there's two bits of evidence I'm going to say why I think that. I think in Tapestry, when he gives Picard that second chance, the second look on his life, I think why would he do that? 
And then we see in Encounter at Farpoint and All Good Things, like Q is trying to expand Picard's mind and not have him think so linearly and about humanity. Um, I think, again, those two, it's like, well, why would you do that? Yeah, Q wants to be in Picard's life. And I think Picard just sort of puts up with him. And I, I don't know, he doesn't seem to find Q's qualities and you know, cherish him. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I'm going to say that that's going to be the quote unquote toxic friendship that I can think of. Okay. But maybe it moves into good friendship territory and tapestry and all good things. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, listeners, let us know. What do you think are toxic friendships in TNG? <laughs> Since we just came up with one. All right. Well, this has been great to talk about friendships in the next generation. What are your final thoughts on what we've learned here? You know, there really are so many good examples of friendship in The Next Generation. And it's so fun thinking about the different characters and the relationships that they have with each other. And, you know, like I was saying, Riker and Worf, and you were like Worf and Picard and Jordy and Data, Beverly. You know, of course, yes, they're all of the main characters and they all have friendships with each other. But then we have the little... Obscure friendships, Hugh and Jordy, and you know, I just think that this sh series shows how important relationships are, and, and and the importance of friendships, and that we need them, and that it helps to support us and to get us through the hard times, and you know, to have that friend to explore hobbies with and just hang out with, and we see that so many times when they're playing poker. Or, you know, attending Data's symphony concert things, you know, just it's it's so nice to see. And I think we get a lot of character development because of these friendships that are just so submersive in the plot of things. Like it's just this under, it's a few lines here and there, just a few, you know, opening scene. It's not an entire episode devoted to friendship. You know, it's just throughout the seven years, we can really see the bond that they have. And I just also want to add, I think the friendships are even more believable because knowing that the actors themselves were friends, that they got along so well, that they love each other and that they still do. Like, it's so amazing. I love seeing all of them you know, at conventions and, you know, seeing them, it's, it's just really, it really does warm my heart. What about you, Justin? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a really great point that in real life, they were just having a great time on the set and they're still great friends. And maybe that's some of what comes through. So yeah, I mean, it's been great to look at this topic. I'm sure that our listeners will say, well, what about this friendship and that friendship? Yeah. I think there's, Bring there's it a on. lot of possibilities, especially maybe those one episode ones. Um, I think it was really great to talk about this this topic and to get into the different friendships. And I wouldn't have thought we would mention Jordy as much as we did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that'll make Haley happy since she loves Jordy so much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and also, you know, it, it illuminates certain things about what friendship is. I mean, I've talked about it a couple times. I think that a lot of it has to do with trust, which can be hard to earn. Um, but a lot of these characters have earned that trust with each other. And we can, and we got into, you know, talking about the kinds of circumstances that lead to friendship. And I mean, we didn't even really touch on like how 
important friendship is, or if there's someone that we can think of that doesn't have as many friendships and what that's like. But but yeah, I I think whenever we look at a topic like this, it's great to just kind of see it through that lens, through the different episodes and see what comes out. And I think we had a great discussion because of it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you brought up that yeah, Jordy is the friendliest, but then when you he's the most <laughs> unlucky with the girls, you know, with who he's dating. And so it's like, well, he's got that going for him. He's the friendliest. <laughs> yeah. All right. So preview of next week's episode. This may seem like deja vu because we've done this preview before, but we do fully intend next time to start our series on deleted scenes, starting with seasons one and two. So hopefully you're excited about that, Amy. I am. I have all my notes. I'm ready to go (laughs) and talk deleted scenes. And yeah, it's going to be great. Always exciting. We can talk about stuff that we haven't talked about before. (laughs) I know. I know. It's a great idea. Well, it's been so much fun talking about our favorite friendships in The Next Generation, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Literary Treks. Like you said, some of the recent novels have gone with Commander Una, uh, which is, if I'm remembering correctly, they explain a name she's kind of adopted because she got tired of people just calling her number one or something like that. But it's still referring to this backstory of her being the best of the best, being perfect from Illyria, which is a planet that embraces uh, genetic manipulation, I think, and, and you know that sort of thing, and, and breeding for the absolute best. And she was number one in her generation or something like that. Melodic Treks. So, but after I watched Star Trek Voyager... Uh, and, you know, I was aware of the existence of the uh, Minimoog Voyager. Uh, I mean, it didn't take me long to just like, oh, it would be cool one day, like if I could acquire the, the synth, you know, like the first thing I do with it is redo the Star Trek Voyager theme with it. Then wouldn't that be fun? You know, the Star Trek Voyager theme we've performed by the Minimoog Voyager, right? <laughs> Warp 5. So I'm going to go to Sleeping Dogs. For my next next episode here now at this point in star trek i'm really tired of the klingons and i was on my original watch of enterprise and i still am i'm really really tired of the klingons so did i say the right episode sleeping dogs i said right yes you're just looking at me funny here i'm like did i say shadows of pajama <laughs> no 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 you said sleeping dogs <laughs> okay good so the edge a star trek discovery podcast she is with a fake him, and but she even says, "Well, it's you, but it's really only my memory of you." Right. Like, that line is heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm not the sappiest person on the planet by any stretch of the imagination. Anyone who has heard me talk for months on this network knows that. But this is heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show. Now guys, we haven't had an iTunes review in a very long time. So, and we've got a bunch of new listeners. Thank you. Thank you. And if you could be so kind, 
go ahead and leave us a star rating and written review, please. That'd be very much appreciated. And we'll read it on the show. We will. So, I mean, what more can you get from that? (laughs) So if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference. That's our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it will come right up. So, Amy, are you ready for a bonus question? Oh, yes. All right. So we talked about friendships in The Next Generation. What is your favorite friendship in Star Trek outside of TNG? Oh, I thought you were going to limit me to Deep Space Nine since... No, no. Okay. And you can pick any other series besides TNG that you want. Okay. Another friendship outside of TNG. I like... Well, it's so similar to Data and Jordy, but I like... Harry Kim and what's his name? And Tom Paris? Yes, Paris on oh, right. Voyager. And I guess it just seems to hit the right strides with me because they are so similar. And, you know, they have their fun holodeck with the crazy lady in the. Oh, are you, are you, you're, so you're talking about the. The Captain yes, Proton ones? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Captain Proton and, you know, and they just have a good time working together and the banter and the back and forth. And so I really do like that one. So Justin, what about you? Well, I'll say that's a good call. I like Harry and Tom as well. Like I, because I had formulated this question in my head, I was trying to think about it and think of my favorite friendship outside of TNG. And it's tough because I think there are a lot of good ones. Like we mentioned Bashir and O'Brien. I think that's a great one. But you know what? I think that it would have to actually be Garrick and Bashir from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to go Deep Space Nine, okay? <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking of some other possibilities, but but okay, one of the things that I... There's a couple of things I love about that friendship. I mean, I think it's always fantastic when we see friendships that grow, go across species, right? Yes. And I think also, like when you, when Garrick first appears in one of the first episodes of Deep Space Nine, I think Bashir is like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. I, we don't know what he's doing or what. But then, I mean, it kind of develops over the course of the series and they keep having these lunches together. And, you know, they even have the James Bond type like holodeck adventure. That was a good one. Which was a great one. So, I mean, I think it's an unusual friendship, not only going across species, but like there's this intense distrust on Bashir's part. I mean, and everybody should distrust Garrick to a certain extent. So that kind of goes against my previous idea that it's built on trust. But I think over time, they do have more trust. And it's just kind of fascinating to watch. I think there's like a complexity that's really interesting to that one. So that's what I'd have to go with. Yeah, I I do like them too, because you're right. It is a very complex relationship. And mm-hmm. I sort of feel like, though, that they're there for each other when push comes to shove, you know. So there's yeah. that level of trust. I agree. There's at least that. Yes. Yeah. So listeners, if you are... Hashtag still listening, <laughs> then you can uh, drop us a note about what your favorite uh, friendship is outside of TNG. All right. Well, if you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Gray. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show just like we did for two listeners today. 
You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Amy, where can people contact you when you're not spending time with your Star Trek friends? And I mean, you know, friends in real life that like Star Trek. <laughs> no, I know. That's about, <laughs> that's where I was last weekend in LA, hanging out with my Star Trek friends. I love my Star Trek friends. Oh my gosh, I'm always doing that. So I can't even say when I'm not because I really am. Uh, so when I'm at work, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can find me here on the network where I co-host The Edge, which is about Star Trek Discovery with Patrick Devlin. And I also do postcards from The Edge where I read your fan response to each episode of Discovery. You can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network on Discoville, where we talk about the Orville and Discovery, and it's so fun talking Orville. You can find me on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place is right there in the Babel Conference. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not thinking about who you would be friends with on TNG? I think I'd be friends with all of them. <laughs> I would just love to go into 10 forward and just spend time with them. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> well, when I'm not thinking about that, which is a lot of the time, uh, well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek, currently tweeting out my season seven rewatch of The Next Generation and lots of other Star Trek stuff. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. I feel like, Amy, there's a lot less for me to remember than you have to say because you're on all these other podcasts. <laughs> oh, you know, when Discovery Season 2, it's only a few more weeks. By the time this episode drops, I will have a lot less to say. Okay. <laughs> At least in that part. Not on this podcast overall, right? Oh, no. I You can't ever <laughs> get rid of me on Earl Grey. Excellent. Well, if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. And I just want to mention here, we put out a challenge earlier on for someone to become an associate producer, and they did. Thank you again, Chris Tribucio, and we'll thank you in a few seconds. But listeners, is there another person who is up to the challenge to becoming a, an associate producer of Earl Grey at the $25 a month level? Please do so. You will have your name read, and you will have our eternal gratitude. So it requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, look, you're on the show, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, and Chris Trebuzio. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. <laughs>